I'm just going to wait here so I don't give another cord to trip over. <laughs> Do you want your phone, Daryl, or is it still, uh, well, you're still going? Well, I'm not paying attention to it during the service, but if you're going to give it back to me. <laughs> All right. Lifesaver. So you hear the word lifesaver, you think of one of these two things, right? Oops. Right? I think most people have seen this baby here. Life preserver or lifesaver. Invented in the late 1800s to do what? To save people, right? You throw this out into the ocean, any body of water, to save somebody from drowning. And I guess it's pretty good because it's... Still, uh, still being used everywhere. You see them on boats. You see them beside pools. You see them hanging by lakes and rivers, right? And this one here, um, we the Millers, we live just uh, north on Armour Road, and we're by the uh, we're by the um, by the river, by the part the river's open. And this is from one of our neighbors. They have it on hand because they uh, they have had to. Uh, deal with a few cars that have gone into the river over the years. 1912, someone's looking for a solution for a candy that doesn't melt. So they come up with a, instead of chocolate, which would melt in the summer, they came up with a hard candy, a mint, and wanted a unique shape, so they made it in a circle, put a hole in it, and went, hey, I know what that looks like, that looks like a life preserver. We're going to call it a lifesaver. Now, I'm not sure exactly how this mint candy is actually a lifesaver, except for, I guess, maybe uh, for young people, you know, who need fresh breath before they go out on a date or, or something like that. But anyhow, it's a look-alike, and it got the name, and, and, then, and away you go, right? My question this morning, is Jesus a saver or the Savior? And probably your first, your probably your first thought is, well, you got two words that mean the same thing. What's the difference? Saver, savior, right? But do they really mean the same thing? Well, hopefully, in the brief time I've got here, we can tackle this, and you can answer that question. Hopefully, I answer that question as we go. So, if we want to know if Jesus is a saver. If we want to know who Jesus is, the best spot to turn is to the Gospels, right? The four books in the Bible that give us an account of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, this morning I've chosen Luke. We're going to look at the book of Luke, and if you want to turn to the book of Luke, we're going to zip through this really quickly, okay? I chose Luke right away because of who Luke was. Luke was a Greek, and he tells us right away in chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, his whole purpose of writing the book, right? Luke did careful research, and he recorded his research. He talked to, I don't know how many people, but he wanted to give us an accurate account of Jesus' life, and arguably, of the four Gospels, it is the most um, exhaustive, because it starts with Jesus' birth, and goes right to Jesus' death. 
And interesting enough, a lot of people think that one of his main sources for his research was Jesus' mother, Mary. Anyhow, we're going to try and fly through the book of Luke here, so uh, stay with me here. So who was Jesus? Okay, well, the book of Luke tells us. Chapter 2, we read that Jesus was born of a virgin. Chapter 3, that his earthly father was Joseph, and Joseph, we get that his descendant line was a descendant of King David. Chapter 4, we read in chapter 4 that he was the enemy of Satan, the devil. That when Jesus spoke to people, he amazed them with his words, what he had to say and how he said it. And Jesus was a healer. Jesus would heal people from their sicknesses, their illnesses, their diseases. Chapter 5, Luke tells us that Jesus was a leader. He was gathering disciples to teach. Chapter 5 also tells us that Jesus was a friend of sinners. Chapters 5 and 6, Luke tells us that Jesus was a teacher. And he would often teach using parables. And a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Chapter 7, Jesus can raise people from the dead. Raise dead people back to life. Jesus would forgive people of their sins. Now let's stop there for a second. Like, this can be hard to believe, right? That one man is like this. That has this many attributes can be like this. And we're only at chapter 7. Luke's not even close to being done with describing who Jesus is. Let's keep going here. Chapter 8. He was the controller of creation. He tells the story of Jesus controlling the wind, the rain, a storm. Chapter 8 also tells us that he cast demons out from inside people. Chapter 9. He was a food multiplier. He took food that should feed just a few people and fed thousands. Chapter 9, he now prophesizes his own death. Who does that? Chapter 10, he is the son of God. Wow, now that's that's a claim to fame. Chapter 11, he teaches people how to pray, how to talk to God. Chapter 11 also, that he is a rebel to the religious leaders of that time. He didn't just fall in the line with them. He had a whole new way. Chapter 12, Jesus is a comforter, taught us not to worry but to trust. Chapter 13, he called people to repentance. Chapter 14, Jesus, we find it was a challenger. He was a celebrity and he was a prophesizer. Chapters 15, 16, and 17 is more of the same. More stories emphasizing what we've already read in the first 14 chapters. Chapter 18, Jesus loves children is what he points out to us. And that Jesus is a healer. You still with me here? Am I going too fast? All right. I got to get through this here. Chapter 19, he tells us that he was a king, right? Last Sunday, right? The triumphal entry... Worshipping a king, coming in on a donkey. Jesus was a king. Chapter 20, a wise man. Chapter 21, a knower of the future. Chapter 22, a criminal. Hold on a second. How does that work? How do you do a 180 after 21 chapters of telling us how great Jesus was, the great things he did for people, 
his characteristics, his attributions, how do we all of a sudden read that he's a criminal? It doesn't fit, does it? There's something wrong there. I don't know if Luke's got that right. And if that's not bad enough, chapter 23, not he's only a criminal, he's a punished convict. He's been convicted, and we pick it up. Whoops. Sorry, folks. Let's pull that back up there. All right. Chapter 23, if you would, turn to verse 32. Okay, we've already had it read this morning, but we're, it's worth reading again. Here we are. Somehow, Jesus' life has done a 180. I mean, Luke just told us how great he was. I mean, like no other human before him or after him. And now he is not only a criminal, but unjustly, he is convicted and he is led to the cross and hung here. Verse 32, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they were crucified. There they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. So the scene is set. Can you picture that? Okay. Verse 35. The people stood there watching. So he's, he's got a crowd of people watching him hang there on a cross. In that crowd are rulers. And the rulers even sneered at him. You know what sneered means? What's the connotation to sneer? That means there is hatred. Okay? They've hated so much. They've hated Jesus so much for what he did that they had him unjustly convicted of, a cr of crimes that he's now hanging on a cross dying. But that's not enough. Now they're standing here in front of him, in the crowd, right? And they turned to the crowd as they sneered. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. They've turned to the crowd after having this man convicted and said to the crowd, he saved others. They just admitted how great of a man he was. They didn't stand there going, look at this murderer. Look at this infidel. No, they said, look at this guy. He saved others. How does that work? They're just admitting the good works he did because he saved others. Who gets sent to jail? Who gets sentenced to death for saving other people? Right? If I throw this to a drowning person, it doesn't make sense that I'm going to end up put in jail because someone now didn't drown. It's crazy. But this is what the religious rulers did. And, and now the ultimatum, right? After watching him for three years with all this stuff, stuff he did, it's recorded by Luke, Matthew, Mark. All this stuff he did, now it comes down to one test, they say, right? 
if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one, let him save himself. How after his whole life focused on other people, does the only true test of whether, God, whether Jesus is the Messiah is if he can save himself off a cross? Like This shouldn't make sense to the crowd around these rulers. It shouldn't make sense to the rulers, should it? And if that's not bad enough, here we go. Verse 36. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar, and they said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. So, at least the rulers in the crowd, they were, they were a ways away from the cross, right? Now you've got the soldiers drinking their wine, getting drunk. They're at the foot of the cross. Now they're right here in his face insulting him. They're feeding off of what the rulers did. It's getting really close to home. And what is Jesus doing? He, he's not saying anything, but the soldiers are now chirping in too. It's getting worse. It's getting closer. Verse 38. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. Verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. So, you've got the rulers out here. Then it moves down to the feed here with the, with the, uh, the soldiers. And then, doesn't say whether it's the left or the right, but now one of the criminals hanging here right beside him, fighting for a breath, because part of the cross is that you're, you're suffocating, and he decides that he wants his final words to be what? Ha! Huh, if you're the king, save yourself and save us too. Come on. Really, is, is that what the final test of Jesus' life is, whether he can save himself off that cross. I mean, after all, what if Jesus had have come off? Do you think any of those people really would have changed their mind? They didn't want to see him come off the cross, did they? These rulers who stirred all this up, they didn't want that. I mean, if they really wanted God's Messiah, they had it. We have it right here, right? I mean... We alluded, we read some of the scripture this morning. God has a plan. It was right there for them. These rulers would have had so many books of the Bible memorized or partly memorized. They should have known if they were looking for it, what the Messiah was going to be. Does it get more obvious than Isaiah 53? I mean, there are approximately 300 prophecies about the Messiah They should have known exactly what to look for and that Jesus was that. But they didn't want that. They were so caught up in following rules and policing those rules that they didn't see him when he came. When I was trying to decide what to speak on this morning, I read through this several times, and it hit me. And that's why I'm focusing on it. He saved others. He saved others. He saved others. Save yourself. 
What is a saver? A saver is a person who saves someone from something, or the other is to avoid spending. But the one we're going to focus on, a person who saves someone from something. What about a savior? What is a savior? A savior is a person who saves, rescues, or delivers. Here's the thing. Jesus was challenged to save physically. Right? That's what they wanted to see. They wanted to see miracles. They wanted to be entertained. Right? Save yourself physically. Bring yourself down off the cross. And we know from reading other places in Scripture, Jesus had the authority. He had the power. He could have called angels down to minister to him and take him off that cross. But that wasn't what was prophesied. It wasn't God's plan, was it? Jesus, yes, you know what? Jesus did heal people. Yes, Jesus did raise some people up from the dead when he was here. But was that really his purpose? Was that really his focus while he was here? Just to take care of some physical needs? What's your relationship with Jesus? Is it so that he'll help you out with your physical needs here? To help you out with your job? To help you out when you get sick? To help somebody else out when they're sick? I forget who it was. I was listening to uh, a a sermon and he was... um, talking about one of his children when they were young and they were headed off to bed. And before they went to bed, the young boy said, hey, anybody need anything before I go, home, go to bed and pray? Does anybody need anything? Jesus came to save us spiritually. Not the physical part. And that's what they didn't get. Let's keep going here. Sorry. Luke 23 Verse 40, but, but, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Someone gets it. Someone got it. A criminal. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Jesus had said nothing through all this. Remember, this criminal is fighting for every breath to say that. And Jesus is fighting to be able to answer him. Jesus answered him, I tell you, Today, you will be with me in paradise. This criminal, finally somebody got it. Finally, someone really got it. He said, Jesus, be my Savior. I am a sinner. So who is Jesus to you? Only you can answer that. Today, Who is Jesus to you? 
Is he just your savior? Is he just a saver? Or is he your savior? You want to know why it's called Good Friday? We just read why it's called Good Friday. If you choose and ask Christ to be your savior and not just your savior. Right? Praise team.